Hey, what is going on, everyone? It's me, Mr. Mario, and welcome back to another episode of Mario's Minute. In case you do not know, this is a podcast I do monthly here on the Mr. Mario 2011 YouTube channel, as well as on most major podcasting platforms. Simply look up Mario's Space Minute, and you'll be able to find it there in a downloadable MP3 form where you can listen to this wherever the hell you want to. Now, Mario's Minute, in case you do not know, is the second podcast I do. My first podcast, and I would say my main podcast, is Mod Chat, in which I try and do that at least once a month. And I say that because there's many times I do it multiple times a month, and it seems like people really like that. And that does have more of a goal. That is more for talking about modding-related things, just whatever cool things have happened, whatever funny things, interesting things, or developments might be happening and that are out there. And Mario's Minute is where I talk about literally wherever the hell I want to. So I try and alternate every month. Uh, sometimes I will talk by myself, which this month will be a solo episode for episode 39. And other months I am going to have a guest on. Last month I did have Casey, who is an awesome YouTuber, and it was really great talking with her on that. But I have a few things I want to talk about here. So you know what, let's get into, uh, th this is a little bit late, by the time you're going to be listening to this, this is going to be about two months old, but man, oh man, uh, if he, anybody follows me on Twitter, I did talk about this there, and this is the first time this has happened to me, uh, I, you know, I have made fun of friends for doing this, uh, well, one friend, one of my best friends, he's done this before, and I'll explain what happened, right, in short, uh, February, I want to say it was February 1st, Great way to start off the month. I didn't bring it up last month, so I'm bringing it up here. Uh, but February 1st, uh, I dropped my damn phone in the toilet. <laughs> yep, dropped my cell phone in the toilet. So I had a Pixel 3a XL, and I did what I'm sure many people do, where it, when I'm getting ready for the morning, I will bring my phone into the bathroom. Now it's a bad habit, I get it, but look, sometimes I want to bring it in there if there's like a podcast that's going to be playing while I'm brushing my teeth, or, you know, if I have to spend an extra long time in the bathroom, there's at least something for me to do and look at. Well, what ended up happening was... I have kind of some shelves above my toilet, and I swear, just even that day, I knew this was going to happen. So maybe it was just a self-fulfilling prophecy here. But I decided to put my phone up on an object on the shelves, and I said, even in my head, I was like, that, mm, that might slip, but let's see. And about a minute later, I swear, in like slow motion, I heard something. I look over, I see my phone falling into the open toilet bowl. And it splashed. And the very first thought that went through my mind was, oh no, my 2FA. <laughs> like, for my authenticator apps and such. Now, what ended up happening was I immediately pulled the phone out. I took it over to my towel. I toweled it off and everything. I took off the case and all that stuff. And amazingly, it still worked. Everything worked on it. Now, some people might be saying, oh, well, yeah, phones are water-resistant, waterproof. Uh, not my phone, actually. My Pixel 3a XL uh, was not a water-resistant phone. So that's why it really shocked me. Now, I tried to check everything that I could, and it seemed like everything was working as well as it could. Although at one point then, I did notice that I was not able to charge my phone. That was the only thing that wasn't working. And the way it even came about was that I was using my phone, 
And because I was just, you know, kind of trying to make sure like I wanted to get it in air. I wanted to make sure it was still usable, uh, more like dry it out, but also make sure it was still usable. But at one point I was listening to music like I was on a walk listening to music, maybe like an hour later. And um, I kept getting this message that was coming up that said something like you've plugged um, your your USB port cannot output audio. It can't do this, uh, which the Pixel 3a XL cannot do. Um, it has a USB Type-C port, but like, for example, if you hook up um, ear, like, ear pods, for example, I guess, yeah, that's for lack of a better term. If you hook up like ear pods that have a USB Type-C connection um, and you just hook them up to the bottom, you're not able to get audio out. But it kept coming up. So I restarted the phone and it was fine. Like five minutes later, it came up again. And it just kept coming up. And then at one point, I tried to charge the phone. I was like, let me just see this here. And it would not charge. And at that point, I was like, oh, shit. Okay, I have a good battery in this phone. Like, this phone can go two days without char- being charged. Uh, but this is kind of a... It, I, I, I just... The clock's ticking right now. And the other thing with it as well, too, and I was telling one of my friends about this, and he actually brought this up. He was just like, yeah, you probably don't really want to go around just trusting a water-damaged phone. And I said, exactly, that's another thing, too, uh, because that is one very real issue that I've seen uh, with phones, with laptops as well, too, with other devices. I've seen many people have their devices, um, like even in this case, I'll pick like one of my friends, for example, and it, it always ends up being the same thing. Uh, and it's not all the time, but it's like this description is what I'm talking about here, where his laptop, he had a MacBook Pro, and it got splashed with a bunch of water. And he immediately turned it off, he tried to dry it up as much as he could, and then later that day he was using it. And he was like, oh yeah, it's fine, it works fine. And then about six months later, it just stopped working black screen would not come up or anything and i've seen the same thing with phones as well too where uh it will you know get a splash go for a swim and then you dry it out even when people say like just put it in a tub of rice that really does nothing if anything it might make it a little worse because you're going to get little like dust and grain particles into all the little nooks and crannies of your phone that you don't really want so the best thing that you should really do is just keep it out in a nice, aired, like, bright, warm space uh, to actually, like, you know, evaporate as much as it can. Uh, and even if it's a bigger device, like, for example, like a game console or something, even better if you can just, like, take it apart and wipe down everything and keep it all air drying like that. That's even better. Although a lot of people aren't going to, you know, fully take apart their phones or what have you, but... I've just seen that so many times where somebody will have a phone, it gets splashed, it goes for a swim, it's working fine, six, seven, nine months later, it just stops working, just randomly. And because it was a phone that I relied on and it was my primary device, I said, I don't want to deal with that. This has been cursed with toilet water at this point. So what happened was typically when I... When I go out and I get a phone, it's kind of, you know, I I can go like two years without getting a phone, maybe three pho- uh, three years, especially even now. Like I've I, I'm not a power user when it comes to phones. I do like a good phone. I like a fast phone. I like a reliable phone, but I've really liked the mid range pixel devices. So like the pixel three AXL. Yeah, the shutter was getting a little bit slow. Yeah, the phone itself was getting a bit slower than I would have liked. But I was sitting there like, oh, I can use this thing for another year or so. And uh, I wasn't really looking to upgrade. 
but I did decide to upgrade and it was kind of a thing where I was like, you know, this is this is the most disappointing upgrade because it's more I'm doing this because I don't feel safe using my current phone. Uh, it's not because, oh, I get to plan an upgrade and do all of this. And it was on a Monday as well, too. So what happened was I looked around. I saw Best Buy locally had a Pixel 4a in stock. They also have the Pixel 4a 5G which was noticeably more expensive, but it is a bigger phone that is also 5G capable. And a part of it was also kind of like, you know, I really don't want to start off spending, like I, I'd rather not spend the money on a new phone because I, I buy my phones outright. But I said, I'd rather not start this month buying a brand new phone. Uh, but I, I also don't want to spend this much on the 5G model. So I'll just get the Pixel 4a. Yeah, it's going to be a little smaller. I like having a big phone, uh, but I'll go ahead and get it. And thankfully, at least I was in a position where I was able to do that. I was really thankful for that. So I went over. I ended up getting the Pixel 4a, brought it back. And you all know how it is when you set up a phone, you have to sign into your account. You have to pull down the latest backup. You have to get your apps reinstalled. You have to make sure they're all working. You have to sign into them. As I said, I was worried about my 2FA. So one really nice thing is that with pretty much like the main authenticator apps that I found, what you can actually do is if you want to transfer your two-factor authentication using like Google Authenticator, for example, there's actually an option to print out print that out and I don't remember exactly what was going on but it was something as easy as like on your old phone you go to that screen you say like print 2FA so you're pretty much transferring your two-factor authentication to another device and it displays a QR code on your old phone and then you use your new phone with the app fired up to scan that QR code and within like two seconds all of your two-factor authentication setup like all those things they're on the new phone. It's super easy to do. I've never done it like that before. And shout out to one of my friends, David, who even told me, he's like, yeah, you should do that. He was also telling me as well, too, was like, you should stop messing with your old phone. Your old phone's probably fine. You need to just stop messing with it, which I did do. And I did notice, actually, uh, a big shout out to another one of my friends, uh, Taz, who is a admin over in my Discord server. He had actually even said, well, I, I think we were trying to diagnose a few things. And he pretty much diagnosed it to your phone's charging port might be bad. Thankfully, on the Pixel 3a XL, it's really easy to replace that. The phone's not hard to get into, and it's just a connector for the uh, charger. So you can just swap it out, put a new one in. So I actually went out and even bought a new charger that I was going, well, a new port that I was going to replace. However, a few days later, because once it was all done, once everything was transferred that day, I wiped my Pixel 3a XL, I turned it off, and I just left it out in the open. But a few days later, I came back to it, and I was able to charge that phone. Uh, so that was good. So it is fully working, and I still own the phone. But I'm going to keep it as a secondary phone, because again, since it has taken that, that dive, since it decided to go swimming, I simply don't trust it. It's just one of those situations where I feel like at any moment I could be using it six, seven, nine months down the road. It's just going to black screen on me. And it will most likely be because of some water damage that eventually caught up with it. So, yeah, that was uh, that was how I started off my February. Definitely didn't want to. But at the same time, for anybody who might be wondering how the uh, Pixel 4a is, uh, 
it's much faster. The camera is nicer. The camera shutter is much faster as well, too. So the quality of life is there. The things I don't really like about it are that on the Pixel 3a, uh, there's like virtual bottoms at the bottom, uh, but buttons, virtual buttons at the bottom, and the Pixel 4a does not have that. Uh, it's all gestures. It's the right swipes, left swipes, like pulling from the sides of the screen, from the bottom of the screen, and you can adjust it. You can do a few things to, you know, get used to what you're doing for your situation. However, I've noticed the part where it consistently bugs me is when I'm trying to crop an image. Like if I'm trying to send an image, I'm trying to crop it to someone or what have you. Just It doesn't even matter. If I'm just trying to crop an image, I always end up canceling what I'm doing like three or four times. I've used this phone for like two months. I've adjusted the sensitivity on the sides there. But when I'm trying to crop it from the left and right, I always end up undoing my changes because of how the gestures are. I personally don't really like that. Uh, I I know phones are trying to kind of do the bezel-less thing. I'm really not crazy about it. I'll be honest, I'm really not crazy about that. It's a good phone, and I've gotten used to the smaller size. I was a little bit worried about that. I got used to it. It's fine. I'm not going to be taking the phone back. I mean, I don't think I can at this point. I'm not going to be taking the phone back, um, but that is a thing I can consistently say. I don't like just the bezel-less setup on phones. And I think that's also part of what keeps me to uh, mid-range phones as well, too, because I don't need the latest and greatest thing. I don't need the most powerful phone out there. I'm not a power user of my phone, in all honesty. And uh, also, I like to vote with my wallet, which part of that is the headphone jack. I'm still a big believer in utilizing the headphone jack and having a headphone jack on phones. Higher-end phones for Android, and well, just even in general, because I'm including iOS here. Higher-end phones do not have headphone jacks. Mid-range and lower-tier phones do still have the headphone jacks. So that is why I've really liked the Pixel A lineup, the 3A, the 4A. I really like those because it is that line is perfect for me. It has the features I'm looking for. I still get that edge of power. I still get all the support from Google. Uh, I also get really nice battery life on these as well, too. Like on the Pixel 3a XL and here, the Pixel 4a, I can go two days without charging my phone if I really want to. Uh, I typically go maybe a day, day and a half, but still it's really nice to have that because battery life has been such a big issue for me before where I've had phones where they will go from 100 to zero within 10 hours and it was really annoying to have that. So I remember my Nexus 4, that was a really big breaking point for me where I was a college student and I was on campus all day, sometimes for, you know, longer than that. So there'd be many times if I did not charge my phone somewhere, by the time I got back to my apartment, my phone would be dead. So I even had it set up where I had chargers everywhere. Like I worked out of a office because I was doing IT work and I made sure I had a charger there. So it's like I would, you know, charge my phone overnight. I would go to class. I'd do all my stuff. I'd go to work. I'd put my phone on the charger the whole time. Then I'd go back and it was usually that was enough. If I charged it at work, that was enough juice to pretty much get me to like by the time I was going to bed, it had like five or 10% battery left. But it was just really annoying feeling like you were tied to a charger. So battery life is something I very much, I, I, I very much look for there. So that has been my uh, begrudging update, unfortunately. <laughs> so I did want to talk about this here. I've seen uh, I've seen people making videos about it. I've seen a whole lot of news about this. And I do want to say 
Right now, as I'm recording this, this is March 28th. It is a Sunday. And I'm saying that because this is going to go out in a few days. This episode is going to go out on March 31st. So maybe there's going to be some differing things here. And at the beginning, it might differ a little bit. But really, when I give my opinions, that's going to stay about the same here. This is the unfortunate news that it seems like a few journalists have been able to unfortunately get from reliable sources we don't have anything official public facing on this but it's the news that the ps3 psp and ps vita storefronts are going to be shutting down and first of all i mean right on the face this is really disappointing to see it's absolutely disappointing uh however is it going to happen how is it going to happen i'm not 100 percent sure on this I know many people have asked, hey, if the storefronts are going to go down, is PlayStation Network going to go down? Will I not be able to use my PSN account? Can I not play games online? And right off the bat, from what I can see on here, no, that's not going to be the case, at least from what I'm observing. The PlayStation Network store is different than game servers and your PlayStation Network account. Like, for example, on the PSP, there is, uh, you, can't, you can't play games anymore on there like officially the actual like multiplayer servers the official multiplayer servers for psp games have, have been down for a while to my understanding however from what i know and this was a bit surprising to me you've still been able to access the playstation portable storefront you can't really buy anything on there but you can at least access it so for example if you have a psp you're able to find a magical router that has the capabilities to connect you online with it and you have previously purchased titles on that PSP system, from what I know, you're able to actually access the storefront on your PSP and re-download the games that you have. I don't believe you're able to purchase anything new on the PSP storefront, but mind the you know, nonetheless, it's there. The PlayStation 3 and the PS Vita, they have fully operational storefronts. You can sign up to PlayStation Network, you can access the storefront there, you can download your old stuff, you can purchase new stuff, you can go crazy on there, and they'd still have online access as well too. PlayStation 3 doesn't require PlayStation Plus, but the actually neither does the Vita. I guess I forgot, was that? Okay, no, I'm actually, I'm kind of blanking on that. I don't think it does. No, it's the the PS4 requires. PS4, PS5 requires PlayStation Plus, but Vita and PS3 and, of course, PSP do not. But either way on there, even if the storefronts go down on the PS3 and the PS Vita, PlayStation Network, you'll still be able to access. You'll still be able to activate, deactivate your system. You'll still be able to use your content that's on your system. You'll still be able to play online games officially, which still have official services and servers up. So that's how all that is working. However, when we're talking about these storefronts going down, the scary part of that is with a lot of people thinking it's going to be the same as what we've seen with the original Xbox Live Arcade or uh, the Wii Shop channel, for example, where those ones are just down. Down, down, they are gone. Uh, those companies like Microsoft, Nintendo, you know, they'd said like, hey, once these go down, that's it. You can't access your stuff. It doesn't matter if you spent $5 or $5,000 on here. If you do not pull down that content and have it accessible locally by this date and time, you will lose access for it forever. We're not going to 
you know, refund you on anything. We're not going to upgrade you to, you know, a Wii U or a 3DS version of whatever game or like an Xbox 360 version of that game. That's just that's just money that's been thrown off. It's up to you. By this date and time, you have to pull it down. And that's what people are worried about when it comes to these here, when it comes to these storefronts. So I guess this is my thoughts on here. Is this happening? I'm going to say it probably is. As as awful as that is to say. From what I know, PS3, according to reports, PS3 and PSP are going to go down in, I believe, July and Vita is supposed to go down in August. And the reason why I'm saying that is because this made really big news. There's a lot of chat on social media about it. There's a lot of people talking about it. And I believe the report was even saying that, yes, this is kind of insider information, but Sony is going to make an official announcement later on this month in March. And that's why this episode is coming out at the very end of March. So maybe by the time this episode comes out, the announcement will have already been made. However, it is, I guess silence really speaks volumes to me on here because this news was so big. It was so big, bigger than most news about these systems is. It was so big that I feel like Sony would have come out and said if it wasn't happening, they would have said there's a news report going around from several reliable, like known gaming websites that were going to be shutting down our storefronts. And no, that's not true. I really feel like it was big enough that they should have said something like that if this was false news. But the fact that they've been silent about it, that leads me to believe that these are going down. Maybe the dates and times will differ a little bit, but I don't think so. You gotta also think of it as well, too, that unfortunately the Vita is kind of getting the short end of the stick here with that being, what, a 10-year-old system at this point, because I believe it came out in 2011, and that's still a long time for this, but the PS3, that came out in uh, 2006, the PSP came out in 2004, so it's amazing that these systems have had storefronts up and running for this long at this point. I think this was inevitable. And I have talked about this many times with maybe not on here, but at least with friends, at least on social media. This is one reason why I collect physical. This is one reason why I believe in backing up your content offline, having that available as well, too. If you have purchased a game, having, you know, the backup available to you in case something happens to the original or you cannot access it or it's not going to work. You have that offline capable version that you can do whatever you need to on there. Even so with physical media, take in case your disc goes defective or gets too scratched or anything else happens, like you run it through microwave, if you still own the original disc, you'll be able to actually use that game data if you had backed it up somewhere onto storage. I really do believe in that there uh, because anything can happen. And when it comes to these storefronts, this has been th- this has been a good time coming, I believe. I am shocked with the PSP. When people told me that if you are able to figure out a way to take your PSP online, you can access the storefront, I was shocked when that happened. I was absolutely shocked when I found out that that was a thing. I was like, there's what? There is no way. Because I believe that it was quote unquote shut down several years ago. But from what I understand, that shut down several years ago was saying you cannot purchase anything new 
on the PSP storefront. However, if you have a PSP, as I said, if you have a PSP that has content that you had purchased prior and you deleted it, if you still have access to the account and everything, you can sign on and you can re-download that. But it's sounding like with this shutdown, it's going to take that capability away. And with the PS uh, the PS3 and the PS Vita, I guess I'm even though it's been a time coming, I wouldn't be too surprised if this does indeed happen in 2021. And the reason why I brought up when these systems came out is because it really puts into perspective how old these systems are as well, too. The PSP, for example, being a 17-year-old system. The PS3 being a 15-year-old system. The Vita being the youngest one here, but still a 10-year-old system. And I feel like the Vita still has more life to it. Vita quite literally means life. We've seen new life breathed into it unofficially thanks to the modding community and, you know, all the awesome homebrew and such that has come out. But it's also not at all offensive to say or even controversial to say that the Vita was really dropped hard by Sony at least Sony of America I know in Japan people loved it I'm not sure about Europe I don't live in Europe I'm not sure how the Vita scene was there but it doesn't seem to be any better than it was in the US it seems like Sony really pushed and tried one time and they said all right that's it so it's been painfully obvious to me that Sony's been trying to bury the Vita for the past few years. And you could see even how much companies will really care about a legacy system or even an older system like this by actions as well too. I've talked about this in a previous video, but not specifically about the PSP, but the PSP, it had a few years ago, like one weird firmware update that came out. It was 6.61. It was a super small update. Custom firmware was running on that system again within like 12 hours. There was nothing big there. The PS3 has not had a significant update patch to it to block exploits and such. That's what I mean by something significant. It hasn't had a significant update patch applied to it since maybe 2018. I want to say it was 4.83. So it's been about three years because they ended up blocking uh, all of the PS3 exploit tools available for firmware 4.82. And ever since then, they haven't really made an attempt to block anything. The PS3 still gets firmware updates, and it's because AACS keys need to be updated. That is for DRM, like for example for Synavia. That is for playing Blu-ray movies as well too, because the PS3 requires keys for Blu-ray movie decryption to be updated, but they cannot be updated automatically. They have to be updated manually, and that is applied through a firmware update. That is why for the PS3, you still see every six months, every year or so, I would say once or twice a year, it's fair to say that, once or twice a year, there's a new firmware update for the PS3. The last few updates, that has been pretty much exclusively to update those keys for newer Blu-ray movies. So at one point, when Sony decides to stop updating the PS3 with even firmware updates, that's kind of going to be them saying bye-bye to using this as a Blu-ray player, because many movies are not going to be able to play on the PS3. And it's still a good Blu-ray player, but that's just kind of to answer why it still gets some updates. The Vita has gotten a few updates as well, too. However, as we all know, the homebrew community has just taken the Vita, and they've run with it beautifully. They've brought so much new life to this system, and it's really well-deserved to be the successor to the PSP2, like the, the PSP at that point. You can really call it the PSP2, as if the updates being called PSP2 updates weren't enough, but regardless on there, there's even been several 
several exploits released for the PlayStation Vita that allow you to modify it, that take you online, all that fun stuff. And those haven't been really updated with any significance in a few years either. There's been, it was about the same thing. I believe Trinity, which worked for 3.70, was patched. And I think that was patched on 3.71. But 3.71, 3.72, even 3.73, they were all, all vulnerable. And I think 3.73 even came out after a vulnerability and a jailbreak, I suppose you can say, had been released, and it was still unpatched. And it's still unpatched to this day because there's no successor firmware update right now. The Vita as well, too. I I personally don't know anybody who's modified their Vita and they've been banned because of a modified Vita. I do always say when people ask, hey, is it safe to take online? Can I get banned? I always say there's always a ban risk of doing this. And on the PSP, that's not really going to happen. On the PlayStation 3, there's still bans that are going on for that. And I believe a lot of that is automated bans as well, too. I don't think there's much manual banning going on there. However, when it comes to the Vita, I personally haven't seen any stories of a ban. I don't know. That, that's always been odd to me. So that's why I, I guess as myself, as somebody who keeps up with these developments and I, you know, I'm in the modding scene here, I do always look at actions like that just to see, does a company really care about what's going on or not? Like what's going on here in particular? Uh, so even like, for example, with, uh, with Microsoft, let's like use them as an example with news that was pretty big with uh, what game was it? Or not even a game, but just with the uh, original Xbox Live service revivals that have kept coming up, like, for example, Insignia, uh, there's been, you know, nothing done to try and stop that project to take it down. And I think it's very much a thing where Microsoft might be looking at it and they say, hey, as long as they're playing mostly nice, as long as this doesn't touch any of our live infrastructure, sure. We don't really care. What are you going to do with a 20-year-old system at this point? That's fine. That is that is completely dead because there's nothing that, not even the storefronts work on the original Xbox. Nothing of the sort. So I will say that this is, it's disappointing news. It's expected news as well, too. It's something that I've been expecting to see for the past year or two. And I think I might have even said before, like, I don't think, this is going to go down in 2019 or 2020, but 2021, you might want to start looking at what's happening and we might see these shut down. Now, what can you do? Well, this is really where modding comes into play. I mean, the PSP, this has been modded for eons at this point, but a lot of people have started looking into modifying their PlayStation 3s and their PlayStation Vitas uh, because they are getting their systems, they're taking them online, they are getting what, you know, what purchases they already had, as well as purchasing any last games that are going to die on these storefronts, potentially, if these storefronts go down. And I guess I should say that that's incorrect. I should say when these storefronts go down, because I am a believer in these older systems, the storefronts will go down at one point, even newer systems, storefronts are going to change, storefronts are going to go down. And even if it's something that is just ubiquitous, like Steam, for example, uh, yeah, there's no like PC and PC2, you know, <laughs> there's no upgrade like that. Uh, but it certainly happens where you see, hey, a game can't be obtained on Steam anymore at this point. So it happens on all platforms to different degrees, but I see it the most on consoles. We've seen it with the original Xbox. We've seen it with the Wii. 
we're going to see it with the 3DS and the Wii U. Hell, I know it kind of happened with the 3DS where there was a lot of, uh, I think there was DSiWare. There was a ton of DSiWare games that out of nowhere got delisted and a ton of people complained and they started slowly coming back up. And to date, we do not know if that was on purpose or if that was on accident. We don't know. Like, nobody knows about this. But either way, there's situations like that that can happen. So people are taking their systems back online. They are trying to download as much as they can. They're trying to buy as much as they can. They're trying to get all the updates that they can. But even one nice thing that you're able to do with these systems, once you have that content and once they are modified, you're able to dump that content yourself and you're able to keep your own copy of it as well too. For the PS3, there's tools available where you can dump your licenses. For the PlayStation Vita, there's no NPDRM, a fantastic plugin, but what you can do if you have a digital or physical game like that, you can run it. It generates a no NPDRM compatible license, like a fake license so to speak. And from there, you're able to dump your game, you're able to pull the license, and then you're able to utilize that content yourself and keep it backed up and run through that plugin. These are very important tools, in my opinion. Uh, I, that's why I've, I've covered this before. That's why I really do believe in this, and especially for situations like this, where, let's say, even if you want to play completely legit, completely official firmware, let's say you have a Vita, and you go out and you get a 64 gigabyte memory card that's going to cost you like 200 bucks. And you filled up with your favorite digital titles for the Vita and you get the latest updates and all that stuff. Well, that's fine. You can certainly do that. However, what might happen in a year, two years, three years? What if your Vita accidentally gets wiped? What if your storage ends up getting corrupted? What if your account isn't accessible? What if something happens to prevent that Vita from properly loading up that content? Well, then you're in trouble with all the stuff that you purchased right there if the storefront has gone down. And the same thing with the PS3. I, I think it's great. If you want to take your PS3, if it has official firmware, if you want to go and you want to spend $100, $200 on content that you're not going to be able to get on any other platform, and you want to save it to your hard drive, more power to you. I think that's fantastic. But for people who are even saying there, again, well, I'm just going to keep it official. I'm going to keep it safe. What if something happens to your hard drive? What if something happens to your account? What if something, again, some some kind of factor happens in three years when you fire up your PS3 and you're not able to use any of that content on there that you went out in 2021, you took the time, you took the effort, you might even spent some money to get that content onto your system to prevent this from happening. What if that happens at that point and you can't access the storefront again? Again, that's where having these tools, having these backup capabilities really does help. And I think in many times it is, it's required here. So that's something I can definitely, I, I, I can definitely recommend. And I would say if you do care about your purchases, if you care about content that's on there, get it now while you can. Even if this news ends up being fake, let this be a reminder that this can happen. I, I guess that's how I feel about it here. To wrap it up again, is it expected? Yes. Is it disappointing? Yes. Should you make sure your data is safe and backed up and that you'll be able to access it? Yes. And physical data is always going to be important. And especially with, you know, I, I guess I'll go off on this a little bit. 
especially with Nintendo, I'm thinking Nintendo has been one of the worst when it comes to, I guess, the consumer side of things. We have seen with the Giga Leaks and the specific ones that have come out that Nintendo seems to actually do a really good job of archiving a lot of stuff that they're never going to need again. It's kind of impressive what has come out from those Giga Leaks and what we have discovered and even games and such. Uh, so that's been really cool. However, when it comes to public stuff, uh, as I've said, like, you know, any purchases on the Wii, they're not tied to account, they're tied to a console. Any purchases on the DSi, I'm sure it's the same thing right there. And then you can't transfer that stuff over to the Wii U, and you can't transfer that stuff over to the 3DS, like, them natively is what I mean. But then even those accounts on the Wii U and 3DS are going to be different than an account that you're going to use on the Switch. Because from what I know, if you purchase content on the Switch, Nintendo has kind of said, hey, uh, this is it. Like, it's, you got a Nintendo account, it's on the Switch, like, don't worry, whatever you buy on here, it's gonna, you, you know, it, it's gonna go with you to the next system, it's fine, and I'm just like, really? I don't believe you, I really don't believe you, like, it, there's digital games, there's digital content that I buy on the Switch, but I also still really focus on buying physical, because we've been burned so many times by Nintendo due to this. And I know they've gotten better, at least on the, I'm hoping on the consumer front they've gotten better, but it's just, it's still frustrating. So keep that in mind. But I do know that there have been, uh, not as much from my analytics, more from comments, I suppose, but there's been a lot more people who've been looking into modifying these older systems now because they've wanted to do things like this. And I will say even, I know I was supposed to wrap this up here, but I want to talk about the, the Xbox side of things as well too. I honestly believe with the Xbox 360, we're probably going to see the same thing next year. Uh, if you've gotten onto an Xbox 360, I'm not talking about backwards compatibility. I'm talking about taking an actual physical Xbox 360 console. If you've taken one of those and you've hooked it up online in the last year or so, you'll see that it looks kind of barren. And I'm not talking about the servers. I'm talking like the actual dashboard. There's really not ads that are displaying on there. Uh, there's a lot less just stuff that's on the dashboard. And there's no new content that's coming to the Xbox 360. There's no new development on there. And at the end of this year, December 20, uh, December 31st, excuse me, I don't know where the numbers were there. But December 31st of 2021, that is going to be the final day and final night that the Halo games on Xbox 360 will be playable online. Starting 2022, Halo 3, Halo 4, Halo Reach, Halo 3 ODST, uh, even, you know, Spartan Assault, we can throw that in there because I think that was on 360. Uh, Halo Wars, any Halo game on the Xbox 360 in 2022 will not be playable online. No Forge mode, no co-op, no multiplayer, nothing. Those will be completely offline. The only way you'll be able to play them online is through unofficial means. And... With Halo being being the Xbox brand, you know, when you think of Xbox, you think of Forza, you think of Gears of War, you think of Halo, and I especially think of Halo for the Xbox 360. That was a big one there. I think we can all agree. But I feel like once Halo goes offline, in Microsoft's eyes, there's pretty much no reason to keep online access on the Xbox 360, especially with how easy it is to take a modified system online, especially with how rampant cheating and just multiplayer, you know, crazy 
10th prestige lobbies and all that stuff uh how rampant it is on not only call of duty but grand theft auto on last generation and really all these other games it's kind of a wild west on there that is lightly moderated but really not moderated as much as it needs to be uh, just because focuses are going to be on the new xbox live which is for xbox one and xbox series so i feel like when it comes to that halo is kind of the final reason for Microsoft to justify keeping the original, like the Xbox 360 online. Uh, I might be completely wrong on that. We'll see. But if we get an announcement like this in about a year, so in 2022, if we get an announcement like this for the Xbox 360, unfortunately, I will not be surprised. So just be on the lookout for that and be cognizant. On, on some lighter news... Maybe on some lighter news here. Uh, do I want to talk? Yeah, I'll, I'll talk about this this kitten story here. So this also happened in early February, right? I was going, I was in my basement at one point, and I have a window there that is like underneath a deck. It's really not usable. I hate this window. And I've had issues with it, like leaking and all that. But I ended up hearing like some tapping. And... I thought I saw something in the window. I was like, no, there's no way. And then I looked and I have a cover for the window like outside and the cover had fallen inside of this little window well. And I was like, oh God, okay, I'm going to have to adjust that. But I started seeing movement. And when I saw that, I just freaked out internally because I was like, oh God, like my, my first thought was I thought it was a dying squirrel. I honestly thought a squirrel had made its way inside of the window well, had gotten stuck and was dying, and I was like, I don't want to deal with this, I don't want to deal with, I don't want to deal with a dying, suffering animal, that's just sad, but also, I don't know if I really want to deal with a wild squirrel, and then I started shining my phone's light in there, and I saw there was a little fuzzy face looking back at me, I was like, oh god, what's happening, so there is a way that I'm able to access that window well, and lo and behold, I ended up going outside, I looked in the window well, and I saw four kittens, four really small kittens that had their eyes open. They were maybe three weeks or four weeks old, something like that. And I started calling around. I was trying to figure out what was going on. Uh, I had talked with my vet, the one that I take my dog Lily over to, and they had some recommendations. Uh, however, the overall consensus was, all right, the mom is going to come back when it's dusk she right now she's out she's trying to like she she's she's eating she's out she's doing her thing when nighttime comes around she's going to come back to our kittens she's going to keep them warm you don't need to do anything and sure enough lo and behold would you would you believe that is exactly what happened this mom cat had come back now funny enough about a month prior i noticed every time i went outside like in my backyard this cat would just dart out from underneath my deck and I even told a friend at one point, I was like, you know, it'd be really funny. What if there was like a hidden family down there? There's a hidden family of cats. And damn it, it happened. <laughs> they were super cute. I didn't mess with them. I didn't touch them or anything. I looked at them several times. Uh, I, one of my neighbors I brought over and she had looked at them as well too. They were super cute. I got a few photos of them. However, now it's been kind of a coordinated effort to figure out what's going on here because one thing was unfortunately since the mom's hiding spot had been discovered she ended up moving her kittens somewhere and i have no idea where the mom is i have no idea where the kittens are however 
they were about a month old at that point. At this point, now they're about three months old, and they're old enough where we have actually seen them. And thankfully, all of them are alive. There's been some really crazy cold, but they've lived through it. We've seen the mom, we've seen some other cats that look similar, and we have seen these four kittens. And they are going out, they are eating, because myself and some other neighbors, we are aware of this. We're actually working with a, uh, with a group to do a TNR, which is a trap and rescue, where it's essentially what they're trying to do is we're trying to kind of round up this quote-unquote colony of cats. That's what it's called. We're trying to get all these cats in the neighborhood here, just all these wild stray cats. We're trying to humanely trap them. And then the idea would be, you know, verify they are wild, feral cats, that so they're not owned by anyone. And then once that's verified, we then go through the process of rescuing them, which would be, you know, spaying and neutering and doing, I guess, what needs to be done at that point afterwards. Because, and I say that because, like, if you got young kittens, if they're young enough, they can be socialized. However, if you're dealing with, like, the mother cat, for example, she's a type of cat, she won't come to any human. Like, if she just sees you, she just darts off. So she's extremely skittish, and she would not, she, she would not be able to deal with any of the humans here. However, you know, even her kittens, they, they seem to be much friendlier, much more welcoming, but we even stayed away from them as well, too. So... That's what I've been doing the past couple months kind of on the side where I've been trying to coordinate efforts with different neighbors. I've been trying to figure this out uh, and I'm working with some really great people as well too, but I'll keep you all posted on what's going on with that. I'm not sure if I'll make a video about it. I guess we'll see. I'm hoping for a happy ending, which the happy ending will be if we can trap and rescue all the kittens and the mother cat and maybe some other cats and get them rehomed, rehabilitated, whatever we need to do there just to make sure that they're safe and they're going to be off the streets because the other issue as well too is if you if you leave this untapped if you're not going to do anything you know the mom cat can get pregnant again the kittens can then get pregnant at one point and then you're going to have just cats running even more rampant everywhere so we're trying to just control that as well too cats are great i'm allergic to them they're great and i'm trying to do what i can <laughs> to get these ones saved here but that's been a that's been a fun experience. So it's been very educational as well too. Just really interesting to see. Oh wow, this is this is really how nature is. Like quite literally. Again, as I said, when I when I talked with one person, she was extremely like knowledgeable on this subject, and she said, "You don't need to worry about those kittens. I know it's going to get cold. That mom has not abandoned her cats. When was the last time you saw the mom? You saw her three days ago or so. Okay, she hasn't abandoned the kittens. That mom's going to come back at dusk and." Sure enough, that's how it worked. <laughs> so, I guess I kind of want to wrap up this episode here. And normally to wrap these episodes up, uh, if I'm doing a solo episode, I'll share a game store story. And for anybody who does not know, I used to work at a local video game store. Now from ages 16 to 18, I was working there. This was my first legal job that I had uh, where I was an employee and such and I was getting paid. And... I've, I have a lot of just, you know, good, bad, fun stories that I've shared on several different episodes. And there's one in particular that I was thinking of. Now, we had two stores. One of the stores was in a bigger, more populated area, and that's where I started working once it was opened. Um, it was like my senior year of high school. That's when it was opened. But we had one employee there who he, uh, how do I describe it? 
first of all, he he wasn't the best when it came to cleanliness, uh, so he did have a little bit of a funk about him. Uh, that also carried into his attitude as well, too. He was a nice guy, but he was also kind of an he had kind of an attitude. He was kind of a dick at times, as well, too. He knew he was like that, um, and even at one point, he was very much the type of person where this is a great example. I guess it's kind of going into two stories where he was saying, oh, yeah, I can run these stores just fine. I can do this fine. You know, I, I have all this authority here. And he was wanting keys from the boss. He said, you know what? Our four, first store, you can send me over there. I can handle it. Uh, give me keys to, you know, open up the place, do all that stuff. And we had another employee that he used to complain about all the time. And he would say, oh, she's always on her phone. She's not doing anything. She just has a job here because her dad's friends with the boss and she looks good. And she just plays on her phone all day. Well, after months of this, at one point, my boss said, all right, you know what? You're in charge of the first store. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give you keys. You're responsible for going over there. You're going to open up the store. You're going to close the store. And from what I know, this also coincided with the same day that he got a new phone. And somehow, I guess my boss probably walked in, but he walked in and he found out that this guy had done nothing all day. He didn't do any of the tasks that were assigned. He didn't uh, resurface, fix up, uh, sort any of the games that were piling up in the back because he had gotten a new phone. And what did he do with his first day as, you know, having keys to the store? He, he sat and played with his brand new fancy phone all day. So my boss said, hey, you know what? Uh you were proven not be able to do this. So I'm going to take the keys back. And I remember he was telling me about this. Well, he's like, yeah, I end up pulling it. Let's call her Shirley, for example. But he was like, yeah, I end up pulling a Shirley. Yup, I, I did that. I, yeah, I, I know I always talk about her being on her phone and then I did the same thing, but I did it. So at, at least he was cognizant of that, I suppose. But a part of that attitude as well, too, is that one of my best friends there and the guy who really got me in uh, was the manager. Now, I'll call him Jeff. Uh, so Jeff had worked, at one point he worked there every single day, all day, every day. And Jeff was a really good employee as well, too. Uh, probably the best employee there, with like hands down. But of course, Jeff wanted to take some time off. And he started asking for Saturdays off, or at least, you know, weekends off. I think he was getting weekends off at that point, which was great. And all of us were all for it. We're like, you know what? Yes, on the weekends, we can hold down the store. Uh, typically, we were able to get it down, even thinking, man, because the boss was kind of cheap. I think he stretched us thin. Yeah, I know he stretched us thin. But we could get away with having one person work the original store and two people working the newer store. And typically, I'd be put up at the newer store. So this day, it was myself and this guy here. It wasn't Jeff. I need to assign him a name. The, the guy who's been kind of a dick this whole time, we're going to call him Steve. So Steve, again, he was kind of, he was angry, just kind of just mauling to himself, I guess, that uh, he did not have keys to the store. Uh, and, you know, he, he got keys at one point and he screwed it up. Like, Steve, what, what do you want to do? But either way, I was working with Steve and, uh, you know, he, he, he'd kind of change back and forth. Like there'd be many times he was cool with me. And then other times he's just like, yeah, dude, you're just an annoying teenager. You're such an annoying teenager, which yeah, I'm sure I was, but also Steve was kind of a dick as well too. Now what happened was even with these weekends off, the idea was that Steve was supposed to get keys for the first store, kind of show his trust. And then he'd get keys to the second store. 
However, because he ended up breaking that trust, we needed someone to open and close for us. Now, I didn't get keys because I was not working full-time, I was working part-time. However, I was a damn good employee, and at one point, I did get keys to the first store that I was passing on. I, I ended up, I had to relinquish them when I left, but I had keys to the first store, and I was, you know, proud of that fact. Now, what happened here was there would be many times where uh, Steve and I, if we were working a shift, we would be sitting just outside the store for 10-15 minutes just kind of talking hanging out because somebody had to key us in uh that could have been the boss that could have been jeff the manager uh that could have been another guy as well too who he's not going to be relevant uh, relevant to this story uh, but there was another guy who would sometimes be sent over to open or close for us now when we were going about all of this i do remember i don't remember who opened for us that day but the point being was our hours were like, I'm thinking, I think they were 10 to 8. It was something like that. I want to say it was 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Now, what ended up happening was uh, Steve and I, we go in, we start working, and uh, we're doing all of our stuff. And it was, you know, near end of day. And he's telling me, he's like all high and mighty, and he's telling me about how everything is when he's running the store. He's like, you know what, Danny? When it comes to this store, like, it, I, I don't care what you have, what you're trying to sell, what you're trying to do. By 8 p.m., we are closed up. We are out of here. You know, that that's how it goes here. Uh, I make sure the computers are off. I make sure the money's in the back. I take out the trash. But by 8 p.m., we are closed. By 8.01, I am out the door. And he was just, you know, proudly telling me that. I was like, okay, yep, Steve, yep, I, I get it. I totally get it. So he's telling me all of this. And our manager, Jeff, had come in with his wife. Now, Jeff ends up coming in maybe 10, 15 minutes before. And we're doing all of our wrap-up stuff because around the last 20, 30 minutes of the day, we're trying to wind down. We're trying to make sure stuff is clean. We're trying to make sure stuff is out of sight, that the store looks nice and all of that. And, oh, my God, I just thought of another story. That's something I'll share as well, too, later on. But uh, it's it's not worth it for this episode. But it is worth sharing because it's, it's not great. Uh, however, what happened was uh, Jeff ended up coming in, Jeff the manager. He came in with his wife. And Jeff had some land that he had been doing some work on for some time, for several months at that point. So he comes in, he's tired, he's sunburnt, he's hot, he's sweaty. And he kind of starts looking around. He's like, Steve, has this been done? Steve's like, no, it hasn't. He's like, has this been done? He said no. And he just starts yelling at Steve. He's like, damn it, Steve. I just want you to do these things and you're not doing it. It sucks that I have to come in in the morning to open up for you on my day off. And it sucks even more that I have to come back around closing time on my day off to close for you because you weren't responsible enough. And he's just kind of laying into Steve like that, understandably so. And he kind of just walks off after that. <laughs> I, I was next to Steve just hearing this, trying not to laugh. And Steve, you know, his his attitude went from 100 to zero at that point. And he just kind of quietly is like, Danny, can you can you pass me the trash bag? And I said, yeah, sure. Here you go. Here's a trash bag. Go ahead. Refill the trash. And I think we got out a little bit late that night. We got out by like 8.05, something like that. But that's very much the definition of how Steve was, uh, where he would he would very much think, oh, I have more authority than this person. I'm able to do this stuff. I can do this better. Uh, and in all reality, no, 
no, it, it wasn't like that. So, ah, uh, well. I do know there was one last thing where at one point uh, he was fired or let go, however you want to say it. And my boss kind of, he wasn't the best at firing people. Uh, by that I mean, if he wanted to let someone go, he he had to have someone else fire the person for them. Like he would have Jeff do the firing while he hid in the back, or he would just set this person's hours down to zero. He did that with one of my coworkers, where she said, this was very petty, but she said, hey, uh, I'm working at another place, but I can still work here. And it was like, it was a clothing store. And he's like, oh, okay, cool. And she, he was like, yeah, uh, I think she tried to get the schedule over. And he's like, no, 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 don't worry about it. It's fine. But then she said that she, he never fired her. He just set her hours down to zero for multiple weeks. And she's like, okay, I, I got the message. I'm, I guess I'm just not working here anymore. But even so, with bad employees, he would let them go, but then in a pinch, he would bring them back. So he even did this. I remember one time I was alone. I think I was working with someone else who ended up getting sick, and she wasn't able to come in. And I talked with my boss that morning, and it was the big store. And he asked, he's like, hey, uh, do this. I know you don't want to do it, but get off the phone with me. Call up Steve have him come in. I was like, no, no, you got rid of Steve for good reasons. We're not having him back. And my boss asked, can you ha handle the store by yourself? I said, probably not. Like, I mean, I'll do the best I can. Some help would very much be appreciated, but I'll do as much as I can. And, uh, to my own credit, you know what? I'll pat myself on the back. I handled that, uh, that big store all by myself, like a boss that day. I think I made it about six or eight hours in by myself. And then I think it was eight hours. And then the last two hours I did have someone come in who didn't really do that much work. Uh, but he was more there to have a second body in the store and, uh, to close up. So that's what was going on there. But either way, uh, that is the tale of Steve, I suppose. Uh, I do need to write down this other story before I forget it. That was, uh, that was going to be interesting about this. But either way, I guess we're at the end here. So what I like to do at the end of these episodes is I like to pick a keyword of some kind. And if you use this keyword in a comment on the YouTube upload, I will know that you made it to the end of this almost one hour episode. I was able to get it just under an hour. Thankfully, that was my goal there. So how about we pick uh, the word flash? If you like flash drives, if there's a flash movie or TV show that you like, uh, if you hate how overexposed images look when you turn on the flash on your camera, go ahead and let me know. If you use the word flash in your comment on the YouTube upload, I will know you made it to the end of episode 39 of Mario's Minute. Anyways, that is about all for this episode of Mario's Minute. Thank you so much for listening and watching everyone. And until next month.